0: Well, good morning, everybody. I met a lot of new people here this morning, a lot of normal, everyday, you know, obi joyful people, but a lot of new folks too want you to feel so welcome here, just a part of this place. I hope you will just settle in and enjoy. Uh, I was in the back, it was snowing and sunny at the same time. That is a good, good time to just be at church and be together, it's awesome. Um, I... uh Want to encourage you? I, we have maybe the last count I did was like under sixty full-time local families that belong to Be Joyful. So to have thirty plus people families sign up to be in those small groups is pretty cool. Uh, so I'm excited to see where that goes. What God does to bring us together as a body. Not just folks who are married, but all of us together growing in our community. It's pretty exciting to have more than half the people here sign up to do that. So it's going to be good. Um, looking forward to that. Just this week, I was at Bible study with uh, about 15 men up here on Thursday morning. And it was great. Ladies, if, if you're married, if your husband was there, you should be encouraged because uh, Marlon, I don't know if you kicked him out of bed to get there, but uh, the that time was really cool because it was just these men interacting with the scripture in Ephesians five about what marriage is all about. And just watching that dialogue and hearing those guys talk, I just was taking notes like crazy. Just the things that they were saying were great. And one of the, but one of the, but one of the the funny things that came, I need to emphasize the, but on this, someone of the, you know, smarter guys in there was like, now, Hey guys, where was Paul? when he was writing the letter to the Ephesian church? I mean, what, what was the setting, you know, that he was writing out of to inform people about marriage and give all this incredible information? And so th- that person who asked didn't want to answer. Somebody else said, well, he was in prison. <laughs> and he was, it was house arrest and he was tied to a guard, you know, by a chain. And we were like, okay, let's just skip that and keep going, you know, uh, not, yeah let's not dwell on that very long uh, so that was, that was funny uh, so just on this series that we're we're looking into, I want to just recap briefly for you where we've been uh, the first thing we talked about was the reason for marriage, and the reason for marriage from ephesians five is to reflect the relationship of Jesus with his church so that's what this painting is this this art that is marriage is is this Reflection of what it looks like when Jesus died for and loved the church and is nurturing the church. This idea of sacrifice and uh, incredible community and love. It's the most romantic, most uh, incredible love story ever. And that's what this marriage relationship is supposed to reflect. When we think that marriage in itself is the end, like I'm going to uh, be, I'm pointing over here because somehow marriage is over here in my mind. <laughs> When I think that marriage is going, the purpose of it is to complete me or make me feel good or so that I will be all I can be or anything like that, then I've got my, my point of marriage is, is mixed up. Marriage is to reflect the relationship of Jesus with the church. And when it's doing that, then it's more accurately what it is. That's the reason for the church, for, the, for marriage. And the second thing we talked about last week was the foundation for marriage. And what that looks like, the foundation for marriage, I would say is something maybe like the canvas that that painting is is placed on. The foundation for marriage is, the, is like that canvas. There's something tangible underneath it. And that thing is sacrifice. And we talked a lot about that last week. I'll read to you. Um, uh, well, I'll, let me see if I can recite it. It says that, that Jesus sacrifices himself for us. And in that, that is how we reflect, that's the the content of what is behind the marriage relationship. Well, um, third, that's today. We're gonna look at friendship in marriage. And there's a problem with the idea of friendship in marriage. It's a problem that I think we all maybe struggle with. And that is something that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but is is we have this idea of the marriage relationship being something that is an ongoing chapter to a great romantic comedy. Everything is going to be great in the end. And we're just gonna be so infatuated with each other and it's always gonna be great and he's always gonna fill me up and she's you know, always gonna be there for me waiting, you know, taking care of me and it's just gonna be blissful. We have this mentality like that that drives us and we have this desire in us to see that happen. That it's always going to be like that. I've heard. I've I've done quite a few weddings over the years, and there's this warning sign that comes up when a couple comes in and sits down with me, and they there are a couple things they say. One is, we have everything in common. As soon as they say that, I'm like, okay, we're still in the infatuation period. We haven't learned that there's something else. There may be, we may be attracted to each other because we're different. And and another one is, uh, what's the other one I hear all the time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We never argue. And I don't think we ever will. I've heard this. And, and so we're in this, we, we, all of us who are married chuckle about that because we understand that that's not, and, and it's a realistic idea, even if we're not, you know, this is, probably not how it's going to go, but we still deep inside have these desires that it will be like that, that that's what our relationship will be like. Let me, let me see if I can say it this way. Romance or that even that feeling of infatuation is found by entering through the door of friendship. Any other way you try to go in is not the way to go in. And we start off all of our uh, long-term relationships like this with infatuation. They're attractive to me. I feel so good when I'm around them. We never argue, all that stuff. And so that's, that's just how it works. But we have to remember that friendship is the, actually the way to lead to romance. That's the door that with, through which we go through to find true romance those things that we desire marriage to really be like. So uh, we're gonna look at Ephesians 5, 25. We're gonna start there. And the first thing that it says, it says, husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. And Paul is gonna address this next segment of his passage of what he's writing to men. And that's what I'm gonna do today as we walk through this, guys, I'm talking to you. All right, And here's the question that we want to answer in the end. How do I love my wife? And as we go through that and, and unpack just what Paul has right here, I think we'll understand what friendship looks like in marriage. Okay, do you see, you see what I'm saying? The friendship idea that we're looking at is going to be, uh, we're going to look at it through the binoculars of, of the male point of view and what Paul is saying to men. And so, as, by way of, of application, let me say this. Uh, this stuff we're going to talk about applies to all friendships. We're talking about the specific thing that's marriage. There's this, this one thing that is marriage that is th- the target of all this. At, but at the same time, everything we're going to talk about, if you want deep, meaningful, true relationships that reflect what Christ did for the church, because who doesn't want a relationship like that? With another, if you're a guy with another guy, women, wh- wh- however that looks, Parents, siblings, mentors, whatever, if you want those kind of relationships, these principles all fit together. So if you're not married, let me just encourage you, there is a lot here for you. And if you're in the hardest part of marriage or whatever's going on, just um, there are many ways to apply what we're going to talk about. So let me encourage you not to, to totally focus on the idea of marriage. However, guys, if you are married, I'm talking to you. And women, as we go through this, and as I talk this morning, you may have the tendency to like elbow your husband. Did you hear that? That's what you should do, right? You, you probably will want to do that. Or if your husband's not here, you can't do it, but you can make a list and get back to him later. Because what, and this is the thing that happens. We, we have these desires that we have for marriage, and then we turn them into expectations. And we say, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. So he's supposed to be that way or she's supposed to be that way. And in this case today, it'll be like him, right? And as soon as, this is really important, as soon as a desire, something that you hope for becomes something someone owes you, you have the relationship is, is gonna struggle, okay? And if you think about this, you can see this in the relationships how when you expect something from someone else and they are a debtor to you, then the relationship begins to stumble. And we need to be able to, ladies and men too, but I wanna just encourage you to, as we talk to try to bring those expectations you have for the, the guy that you think this man's supposed to be and put him back in the box of desire and leave them there. And then I also wanna say this, if if you're not a believer, if you haven't crossed the line of faith and put your faith totally in Jesus Christ to be reunited with God in a relationship with him that is forever, then some of this stuff I'm going to talk about and the reason for it, you're going to be like, I don't I don't get it. This I, I'm really, and I just want to give you the freedom to kind of sit there and listen and just observe. Because this is a Christian conversation between Paul and Christian men. So you can take principles from it, but it's very much focused on a person who's a believer. So try to bring that to bring yourself to that table and and watch from there as we read. So a couple of points, four things I wanna bring up to you about how to love your wife, guys, and how to be a good friend. One is immerse her in the gospel. Two, join her team. Three, treasure her. And four, abide in Jesus. Okay, so I'm gonna run through those real quick again. Immerse her in the gospel, join her team, treasure her, and abide in Jesus. So let's read this uh, Ephesians five twenty five together. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. So what does it mean to love your wife by immersing her in the gospel? Let's look back up to uh, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Those verses describe what the gospel is. Think about it with me for just a second. It says, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up. There's a sacrifice that Jesus makes that he might sanctify the church or that this a person might be sanctified. In other words, be able to be in the presence of God. Because when we are unclean, when we have sin in our lives, when uh, through inheritance from Adam, we are separated from God. And Jesus makes that connection a possibility. That's the gospel. It's the story of our reconciliation with God. And that's what that describes right there. And I found another place in Titus that I want to read to you because it's so cool how it, it kind of expands this just a touch. Look at Titus 3, 5 through 7. If you've got your Bible there, it's just to the right a bit. In verse chapter three, five through seven. Listen to, as I read for words that are similar to what I just read from Ephesians five. God saved us. He saved us not because of works we have done, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, the one who sacrificed himself for us. See that washing idea, the cleansing, the, this whole concept is, is kind of being fleshed out a little bit more fully here. So that being justified, in other words, being made right by his grace, by nothing we have done, we might become heirs, permanently accepted into his family according to the hope of eternal life. It's a permanent relationship that God brings us into. That is the story of reconciliation with God. If you're a, a a Bible study person, if you're really into studying the Bible, I think that this passage in, uh, in Titus is a really, you could spend a lot of time exploring what the gospel is from Titus three right there. But guys, there is a, a word right at the end of uh, chapter five in Ephesians. If you go back there, verse 26, and the key word is word. It says, that Jesus did this, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now, if you've been around the church for very long, you've probably heard Jesus called the word, right? And in First John, I mean, John 1, there's a whole section about Jesus is the word. I'm the word. The, and this whole idea in the word in Greek, there is the word logos. Jesus is the word. In, in other words, he is the complete embodiment of truth. Everything that is true is embodied in him. And that includes the gospel, this story of reconciliation. That's all within this story and in this word. But in this passage, the word for word is not that word logos. It's a different word that means a saying, like something that is spoken. And I spent some time on this. So it's like, I really, I thought when I read the passage in English, I thought, oh, for sure. This is the word. This is about Jesus because it makes sense having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, you know, with Jesus, you know, that's that whole idea. But in fact, it's slightly different. It means something spoken, something that's said. And so this is my proposal to you men. We need to speak the words of the gospel to our wives. What do I mean by that? When, when you, our wife, your wife understands that she is uh, absolutely secure in Christ, she does not have to be beautiful enough, successful enough. I mean, any of the things that a woman might struggle with, all of those things are set aside because Jesus by his grace and the mercy of God has made her right with God, with God himself. And when our wives hear that and understand that and we speak that over them, it, it changes who they are on the, just through and through. So a, a woman who understands her place before Jesus is that it, she is on the right track to actually then reflect his love for the church in the marriage relationship. When we say things, I made a little list here. you were loved so much by Jesus that he died for you. Now, there is another way of saying that is that you are such a sinner that Jesus died for you. (laughs) But we'll look at the bright side. You are good and perfect in his eyes. You are worthy. You're worthy because of him, not because of anything you've done or any perfection that you think you need to have. You are in his family. You are secure and safe. And I am here to assure you and remind you of that because husbands, here's the deal. We are the prime person to communicate the gospel to our wives. You are the most important person to communicate the gospel to your wife. That is that is what this message is all about, this reflection of Christ in the painting of marriage. Do you see what I mean? They're not gonna get that from, from me or from somebody else or from a, a Bible study somewhere, all that stuff is important. But men, we are that person that speaks directly into their lives about what the gospel means to them. All right, so that's that's what I mean by immersing her in the gospel. It's really by words, by the truth that's spoken there. And, and let me just say, I, every time I've gotten up here, I've been married 25 years, still a mystery. I'm trying, I'm I'm learning a whole lot. And I'm not up here saying, oh yeah, just do this because I did it and it worked. I'm just trying to point us to the scripture and let that take us to the next place. And and maybe we'll uh, move forward in these relationships a little bit. Okay, now, love her by joining her team. Look at 527. He gave himself up, Jesus gave himself up so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing and that she might be holy and without blemish. See, Jesus is taking a believing wife on a journey and a believing woman on a journey. There there is a kind of a both and in this, in that when we, uh, male and female, when we become a believer, we are made right before God, but we still, God is still working on us to refine us and to perfect us and encourage us and make him more like him, right? So there's this both and to this process. We're justified, we're made right, but we're being, they call it sanctified. We're moving forward. And that's this universal challenge that we all understand of moving forward in our relationship with Jesus. So uh, he is taking her on a journey and this is where men, we come in to support that process. Uh, I remember I used to be a youth pastor. I had several girls in our group that were, pretty successful uh, softball players. And they would just dominate these other teams. And I remember one of the girls, when she would come up, they would just destroy the, the, league, the league they were in. And it was huge back in Dallas, one of those big schools. And uh, when she would come up to the plate, she would look at the, at the the uh, at the pitcher and she would point to where she was gonna hit the ball. Just to tell her in advance, this is what I'm gonna do to you and you get ready over there. And she just had that kind of confidence and skill and she would just... Uh, man, she was something else uh, in a lot of ways. But when she would get up to the plate, she had a purpose in that. And one of the things you can do in baseball or softball is sacrifice yourself so that someone else can move to the next plate. Right? And I was always astounded by her because in baseball, for me, I was never any good at. It, it was just, I hope I hit it but she knew what she was doing and she would go up and tell them where it was gonna go. That's, there's an idea of sacrifice in that, men, when we love our wives like that by joining her team to help her in her progress, wherever she is going, that we have a very, we have a very purposeful mission in doing that. This, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take myself out for her better. I'm gonna re- step back from the things that I think are important, like myself getting on base or my score or whatever, because I want the best for her. And this is sort of a, this whole passage is about, I think uh, spiritual and emotional health of our wives. So it's not necessarily that I'm helping my wife, you know, uh, get all of her college degrees and, and be successful in work, although it may include that, but this is a a deeply spiritual an emotional thing that we're talking about and sacrificing ourselves. Another really important fact, I think, in understanding this is, guys, we, we always want to be careful not to move to where we are the coach, explaining to our wives how they can do it better. This does not work. We are the person who's on the team and making the sacrifice in order to see good things happen for our spouse. I hope you're seeing how this applies to other relationships as well. And when somebody sacrifices for me and sets themselves aside for me, for my better, I'm like, I love you. What can I do? I will take you to lunch. You know, how can I, care? you know, that's this whole idea of sacrifice and care and, and having the best in mind for someone else spiritually and leading them that way is, is powerful in all relationships. And, and a couple more thoughts on that. The, the playing field is normal life. The playing field is normal life. It includes dishes and laundry and the dog barfing on the carpet. It includes new babies. It includes, you know, the big, uh, when the insurance didn't come through and, you know, everything that happens, it's just normal life. In those spaces when friendship is cultivated through this kind of activity, then there's romance. If you're hoping that romance is gonna show up on your doorstep and you're gonna feel all those things, in normal life with the laundry and all that? It's, it's not realistic. And I, I just love how, how Paul describes what Jesus is doing. He's bringing the church. And in, in this case, the idea is a woman who's married um, forward in the place that she is going towards him, in the way she is going towards him. And you guys know at the beginning, uh, in verse 22 is the verse that everybody quotes from Ephesians 5. Unfortunately, it says, women, wives, submit to your husbands, right? And whenever you read that, you you know, all the hackles go up and stuff. Well, and I understand that because that's the one that gets pulled out and read. But think about this culture for just a second. In that culture, to say, women, submit to your husbands, respect your husbands, that was given. That's just the way it was. There was no choice for her. Today, it's different. There was no choice, but for Paul to spend all of this time saying, men, sacrifice for your wife, love her like Christ, love the church. Put yourself there for a second. This is radical stuff. This is unbelievable that Paul would write that to men, totally different in the church. This is completely out of the box for that society. So, Guys, I think it just, it's, it's important for us to hear this from him even today and what it means because we drift naturally back towards those ideas of, hey, I'm the big guy in the house and it's supposed to be this way. This is not the picture that Paul is painting in marriage. So join her team, guys, be on her team so that she can win. Love her by treasuring her. Look at verse 28. In the same way, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. I've always struggled with this because I feel like it's such an unusual statement. Paul makes this blanket comment. He says, well, every guy obviously nourishes and cherishes himself, and so therefore he must you know, make sense for him to nourish and cherish another person, which I don't really see that. And so I've, I've always been confused by exactly why Paul uses that to prove to us or to be a point to help us understand nourishing and cherishing our wives, or as I'm saying, treasure them. So I spent some time thinking about it. I've, been, I've always been trying to pump this verse up, this, this phrase in here up into something I think maybe it wasn't designed to be. Because nourishing yourself, guys, is a simple thing that we all do. As one of my friends says, a man's got to eat. We're going to go eat somewhere. We're going to make sure that happens. It's just a very natural thing. We're going to take care of ourselves, right? Eventually, we're going to go to sleep. We're gonna, some of us keep ourselves fairly clean. Some of us may exercise. Whatever it is that we do to take care of ourselves, but there's a, a certain simplicity about the natural things that we do to take care of ourselves, to nur- to nourish ourselves. And so I started thinking about that in terms of how natural is it for me that I nourish Claire, that I come alongside and just meet the basic needs that she's having, just caring for her on a, a natural, normal basis, instead of trying to pump this up into something perhaps that it's not. Um, When we nourish another person, especially in this context, we're providing for their spiritual and emotional health, not feeding them or making sure it checks on the the checks in the bank. That may be a part of it, but those things are a result of the fact that we're nurturing the spiritual and emotional health of the person that we're married to. But, the next word it says it says N- a man nourishes and cherishes himself so i looked this up in another translation and and they had changed the word to cherish to to take care of so a man nurtures and takes care of himself but this is another place where the original word is really important because it is cherish and ladies i think you would agree with me there's a difference between Someone taking care of you and someone cherishing you. Those are two different things. At least that's been what I've been told. If I cherish something, I protect it. I know where it is all the time. I tell people about it. I keep it with me as much as I can. Might have some insurance on it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm anxious to see. I want the, the environment, that, that thing that I cherish it, I want that thing to be uh, safe and secure and, and in the right, you know, temperatures just right and all those things. You know, anything that we cherish is a different thing than just taking care of something because I can feed the dog at home and the dog's okay. But cherishing is a completely different concept and it's really important, I think, that we guys grab hold of that idea that a good friendship if we really love someone and are trying to sacrifice for another person then cherishing them is a piece of that not just naturally doing what needs to be done but going this extra step to to actually cherish and i'll go so far as to say this so i'm no expert on women a woman who believes in, or even knows that she is cherished there is there are few things as wonderful as that One, one last thing that he says in there that's always kind of baffled me. It says, the guy who loves his wife loves himself. And I thought, okay, is that like a litmus test? Like I can say, okay, you know, if you love um, her and you're doing that kind of thing, then, then you must love yourself. So I, I, okay, I get that. But then, but I can turn that around just a little. There's a little nuance to that that says, if I want, if I want to love myself, if I want things to be right for me, if I want to grow and move forward towards Christ and all the things that are important to me, then what I need to do is love my wife. Do you see what I'm saying? The first thing is in that case is to make sure I'm loving her and that will have the result that that I will be loved and I will actually love myself. There's this circle there and we're gonna talk about that a little bit next week. So there's this wisdom in treasuring our wives. It's very personal. And then finally, let me close with this idea that I always want to return to every week. This is not a list of to-dos. We cannot say, okay, if I do this, 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 and this, or our wives can't say, if we do this, these things, or our friends can't say, this is what means to be a friend to me. It includes all this stuff. When we abide in Jesus, that is when the results will be there. Um. Jesus himself says it like this. He says, I'm like a vine. And when you follow me, you're grafted in and you're fed. Guys, we can try to feed ourselves and fill ourselves with all kinds of stuff. I mean, we in fact, when we feel a roadblock in relationship with a spouse, at least one of my immediate things is, I'm gonna figure out, how to meet my needs somewhere else. Like I'm going to work, like I did this for years. I'm going to work out so hard and be so good at this. And that's going to fill me up for when things are harder with Claire. I'm just to tell you right now, that didn't work. But when when we will find something else to fill us, whether it's work or the bank account or success in other people's eyes or any number of things, guys, that's what we do. We move in that direction Rather than that, I want to suggest to you guys that we know, we get to know Jesus better and we 're grafted into him so that we actually can grow that's the, That is the most important thing that we are in a relationship with him and, and let me just say something about that. knowing Jesus takes time you don't accidentally grow closer to someone or have overflow from your heart to love somebody else because y'all we are naturally wanting a certain thing out of our relationships, and unless we're with Jesus. And he is transforming us and filling us, and giving us confidence to be sacrificial. It isn't going to happen. There isn't, we can, that's when we start to white knuckle it and check the boxes. What I want to encourage you to do is go back and spend time with Christ just a little bit and see what happens when you read his word and spend time with him and just pray. Talk to him about the things that are struggling. Graft yourself in and see what the results will be so that, you're, that there's an overflow of the love of Christ for the person that you're trying to care for and be a friend with. So abiding in Christ is absolutely essential and underlies these things.